Go. So I'm supposed to introduce myself first? Sure. Okay, I'm Steve Sademan. I'm uh, the Patterson Chair of International Affairs at Carleton University. I am the Director of the Canadian Defense and Security Network, and I'm also the co-host of the Battle Rhythm Podcast, which mostly focuses on Canadian stuff, but we often talk about things about the, around the world. Uh, Max, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Max Margulies. I am an assistant professor in the Defense and Strategic Pro Studies program at West Point and uh, director of research at the Modern War Institute. Uh, although all these views are, anything I say today are my personal views and not those of my employer. Um, I am very excited to be talking to you today, Steve, because I know we both have uh, a, a connection to Canada, you being an expat there, me doing my uh, my undergrad studies in uh, in Montreal and having family in Canada now. Uh, and there's a lot of interesting or potential differences between Canadian and American culture when it comes to civil military relations. Uh, so I was wondering if you might want to start by talking us through any anything particularly uh, unique to Canadian civil relations in terms of how it relates to what goes on in the United States. Well, it's interesting because we're dealing with a lot of the same exact issues. Uh, and so the United States has had a sexual assault in the military crisis. Canada's had a sexual assault crisis in the military. And what's interesting about Canada has been that how little progress has been made uh, on these issues, that there was a report uh, five, five and a half, six years ago by uh, former Supreme Court justice, made a bunch of recommendations. And in the best spirit of civil military relations, the military shirked and didn't do what the report asked them to do. Uh, and one of the principal things they asked them to do was to develop an independent process by which individuals could report uh, things that have happened to them. Uh, and instead they set up something that was that was set, not quite independent, that reported to the defense minister. And that was problematic because as it turns out, the Canadian defense minister doesn't really understand what his job is. And one of his jobs is to oversee the chief of defense staff who is in some ways a lot more powerful in Canada than the chairman is in the United States, and including picking his entire command staff. So the three-star generals or admirals that fill all the other jobs are picked by the chief of defense staff with the minister supposedly making recommendations or noises, uh, but it hasn't been the case. And so the chief of defense staff ultimately picked for the personnel branch of the military, the guy who had been accused of sexual assault and misconduct and in fact it earned the nickname mulligan man for getting second chances uh so that that's the state of play here uh so go ahead yeah so one thing that jumped out at me there that might be uh, a difference is did you say that uh one of the big reports on uh, or directives on reforming how the military handles sexual assault came from the supreme court it came from a retired Supreme Court justice because when the Canadian government wants to make a decision or not make a decision, they often consult a retired Supreme Court justice because in, in Canada they retire as opposed to the United States. And uh, so they had the, uh, uh, Deschamps, Maurice Deschamps issue a report in 2015. And the interesting thing is that in this past year, as the liberal government has been struggling with this crisis, they decided, well, the way to handle it was to ask another female Supreme Court justice, retired one, to come up with a new report on a broader discussion, including addressing the military's culture. 
so this is a tradition in Canada that doesn't exist in the United States of consulting Supreme Court, retired Supreme Court justices. Right. And it's, it's something that really is surprising to me about that is is not necessarily the consulting the retired justices element, but just how even active, uh, you know, sitting Supreme Court justices in the United States often uh, seem to give a lot of deference to Congress and mm-hmm. the president when it comes to any anything that even comes close to touching military affairs. So I'm thinking particularly about the recent uh, decision by the U.S. Supreme Court to not even hear a case about whether women should register for the draft, um, despite the fact that the uh, conditions on the ground are so different from the last time the Supreme Court heard that case in uh, heard a similar case in the early 80s. Um, they just said that they wanted to they wanted the issue to play out in uh, in the legislature. Um, so is there a similar uh, deference uh, by acting or by sitting Supreme Court justices in Canada? Um, I would say so there that the National Defense Act is the guiding legislation. Uh, and mm-hmm. when things touch on that, the Supreme Court tends to avoid it. Uh, that's not really where my area of expertise is. My area of expertise lately has been researching legislatures. Mm-hmm. And so I can tell you that Canada and the United States are basically on the opposite ends of the spectrum on, on the role of legislatures in engaging in oversight, uh, where Canada is very much anchors down the lame end of the spectrum, where they don't have powers and they don't have interest. Mm-hmm. And the United States, they have the most powers than any, any legislature has in the world, and they sure as hell sometimes have interest. Which brings us back to the the initial issue that we were talking about um, in terms of sexual assault in the military. I don't know if we're going to have time in this call, <laughs> uh, but um, I'll be really interested to see what happens with uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin's recent announcement about reforming um, how the UCMJ treats sexual assault in the American military and the his recommendation that 